Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm, and today we've got another update on the increasingly expanding scope of Activision and Blizzard's legal travails. If you haven't been following this story from the beginning, we've got a playlist currently entitled California versus Activision Blizzard. That title might be changing pretty soon, as you will see in the subject matter of this video. But overall, it all relates to a lawsuit filed by the state of California, more specifically their Department of Fair Employment and Housing, a few months ago that alleged that Activision Blizzard was engaged in discrimination against women in terms of pay, promotion, firings, that kind of thing, as well as creating a hostile work environment through sexual harassment and related activities. And that lawsuit created an entire funnel of Activision Blizzard activities that have largely, in my estimation, made things a little bit worse for the company as they try to deal with the fallout from all of these things. But as it turns out, California is not the only one that has proven interested in the way that Activision Blizzard does its business, which is a fact we found out yesterday, but which relates to some things that have been going on for longer than then. Looking at the Wall Street Journal article from yesterday, it's headlined, SEC is investigating Activision Blizzard over workplace practices, comma, disclosures. Video game company also in talks to settle probe by Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. So two separate concepts, the latter of which appears to have been an update to the Wall Street Journal article. I wasn't reading these kinds of things as they came out when they happened. So we're going to take them one at a time. But the SEC investigation starting things out is what was reported on across the video game industry and which a number of you pinged me about in my DMs and elsewhere. Thank you very much. And I think it's being reported on in a manner that is somewhat accurate and somewhat misleading. So let's take a look at it as an exemplar of that headline from IGN. The SEC is now investigating Activision Blizzard for discrimination and harassment. I, I look at that and I read a headline that suggests that the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, is trying to determine whether Activision or Blizzard discriminated and or harassed. And that's somewhat true insofar as the SEC is interested in what Activision told its investors in the public. Not so true in terms of the actual facts on the ground. You've got folks like the DFEH in the state of California, like the EEOC, which we'll talk about as part of this video, that are interested in determining whether this thing happened. The SEC is interested in something slightly different. Now, if you aren't familiar with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission is empowered to try to make sure that companies sell their stock, their equity, to investors in a way that is fundamentally truthful. And so, for the most part, when you've got an SEC investigation, they're going to be concerned about whether you were accurate in your reporting, whether you reported your financials correctly, whether the disclosures that you have to make by SEC rules were made in a truthful manner, or whether they omitted something that was important to state that makes the rest of the disclosures untruthful or the term that the SEC likes to use, misleading. And so it comes as no surprise if you actually read the Wall Street Journal article that what appears to be happening here is exactly that. The SEC is concerned with the disclosures made to investors. It says an Activision spokeswoman, Helene Klasky, on Monday confirmed that the SEC's investigation concerns the company's disclosures regarding employment matters and related issues, adding that the agency has subpoenaed several current and former employees. Subpoena power is important. That actually is by Latin root. Under the power of law, they give you a subpoena and you are required by law and you can be held in contempt and all sorts of other things if you don't do this to give the agency certain documentation to potentially perform in depositions and to otherwise aid them in figuring out what happened here. So the SEC is using its powers. So this is 
indications of an investigation that's ongoing and that the SEC feels pretty strongly about, at least right now. It says the company is cooperating with the SEC, the spokeswoman said. But it's not that the SEC is so interested in whether or not these things happened. It isn't the DFEH. It isn't the EEOC. Instead, if we look at the website for the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, we see the following. The Enforcement Division assists the commission in executing its law enforcement function by recommending the commencement of investigations of securities law violations. The division obtains evidence of possible violations of the securities laws from many sources, including market surveillance activities, investor tips and complaints, other divisions and offices of the SEC, the self-regulatory organizations and other security industry sources, and media reports. The SEC is reading IGN or whatever and says, hey, Activision Blizzard's being investigated by California. Maybe we should look into that or it's getting a tip separately from someone else. All SEC investigations are conducted privately, unless the Wall Street Journal finds out about them. Facts are developed to the fullest extent possible through informal inquiry, interviewing witnesses, examining brokerage records, reviewing trading data and other methods. With a formal order of investigation, the division staff may compel witnesses by subpoena to testify and produce books, records, and other relevant documents. So we know just from what we've heard from Activision that this has proceeded past the informal inquiry stage into a formal order of investigation whereupon the SEC can use its subpoena powers. Now, it's also worth noting that in many cases, as the SEC says, the commission and the party charged decide to settle a matter without trial. As we've talked about in virtual legality, trials, litigation, very, very expensive process. And if two sides in any dispute can come to some kind of understanding as to the likelihood of either side winning and what winning would look like, settlement almost always makes sense because you don't pay the lawyers and you don't have to go through the time and travail of actually appearing in court. Now, what are the common violations that the SEC highlights here that potentially lead to investigations? One, misrepresentation or omission of important information about securities, and the fifth action here, insider trading, violating a trust relationship by trading on material non-public information about a security. We'll come back to that in just a second. Now, the commission can do a couple of things. It can have a civil action, can actually proceed to court, or it can do an administrative action through its own executive branch administrative judge. It says, in a civil action, the commission files a complaint with the U.S. District Court and asks the court for a sanction or remedy. Often, the commission asks for a court order called an injunction that prohibits any further acts or practices that violate the law or commission rules. Don't discriminate, Activision. In addition, the SEC can seek civil monetary penalties or the return of illegal profits called disgorgement. The court may also bar or suspend an individual from serving as a corporate officer or director. So the SEC can go to court and can say, look, they lied on their disclosure statements. They're no longer to be trusted by the public. People responsible for filing those disclosures, potentially people on the board or even officers, can be looked at at the SEC and declared to be what we would call a bad actor. And that has significant ramifications, both for their current standing, of course, and also for future investment. The SEC has very strong rules about who can invest in things. And one of those strong rules is that it's very difficult for somebody that's been declared to be a bad actor to be allowed to invest in certain securities. So that can have a significant ramification for people that get that designation. More likely, though, the SEC isn't going to go straight to litigation. It's going to look to settle, as we just talked about, or it's going to work through its administrative judge. It says the commission can seek a variety of sanctions through the administrative proceeding process. Administrative proceedings differ from civil court actions in that they are heard by an administrative law judge who is independent of the commission. The administrative law judge presides over a hearing, considers the evidence presented by division staff. 
Following the hearing, the ALJ issues an initial decision that includes findings of fact and legal conclusions. Sounds a lot like a normal judge, right? The initial decision also contains a recommended sanction, and then both the division staff and the defendant may appeal all or any portion of that initial decision to the commission. You're going through the agency process, and if it gets really out of hand, you might even appeal that to the court system. There's a whole number of things that can happen there. But long story short, the SEC is interested in making sure that you didn't lie on your reports. And if that sounds familiar to you, then maybe you've been in virtual legality for a little while. We've covered as part of California versus Activision, the fact that a class action lawsuit has been filed by shareholders that still has a long way to go yet before it's determined whether or not the class is certified or whether anything's going to move forward here. But the overall thrust of the argument is that when Activision put in its disclosures, things like we are a party to routine claims, suits, investigations, audits, and other proceedings related to things like labor and employment matters, and we do not expect them to have a material adverse effect on our business, that since they knew all of this was happening, and more specifically in this particular class action, since they were doing it themselves, that what they were saying in their disclosures was false. Or as this particular class action states, specifically defendants made false and or misleading statements and or failed to disclose that Activision Blizzard discriminated or that Activision Blizzard fostered a pervasive frat boy workplace culture, which is what the state of California called it, or that numerous complaints about unlawful harassment, discrimination, and retaliation were made to human resources. Now, this is a quantifiable kind of concept. If there were a bunch of complaints, maybe that should have been disclosed. We'll talk about why that may or may not be the case in just a second. A pervasive culture of harassment would result in serious impairments to Activision Blizzard. As a result of the foregoing, the company was at a greater risk of regulatory and legal scrutiny failed to inform shareholders about the DFEH investigation. And as a result, defendant's statements about everything else that we just talked about in those disclosures is false. Now, when I went over this in my previous video, I did mention that a number of those things is maybe a little bit early to argue. The state of California hasn't proven its case yet. It's filed one. Activision at the time was being fairly belligerent about the claims made against it. And one of the things that happens with that belligerence is that it's a kind of defense to this type of lawsuit, including the kind of investigation that the SEC might be invest might be engaged in, which is to say, you're in trouble if you lie to investors. You're in trouble if you deliberately mislead them. You are less in trouble, not completely out of the woods, of course, less in trouble if you are just stupid. If all of this is proven and you're going to go down in a ball of glory with California and the EEOC and the SEC, but you legitimately thought that wasn't going to happen, then... That's a pretty decent defense to, I wasn't trying to deceive investors. I didn't think this was the problem that apparently it was. And so you've got this issue with these kinds of lawsuits and with the SEC investigation where it doesn't necessarily mean, even if bad things are happening now, that the board or the officers or the people in charge of making these disclosures thought they were an issue at the time. Now, Let's take a look at another document here, which I found to be pretty interesting. This is from the Harvard Law School Forum on Corporate Governance that says, do you have a duty to disclose a government investigation? It says, after receiving an inquiry from a government agency, such as a subpoena, a civil investigative demand, or an informal request for information, public companies ask whether they must disclose publicly that they may be under investigation. We just talked about the fact the SEC says you have to disclose important stuff to your investors, stuff that investors would be interested in. And so public companies say, well we get a lot of phone calls. Do we have to disclose that there's an investigation? At what point do we have to disclose that? 
Now, if the state of California just calls you up and says, we're thinking about investigating you, that's probably not a disclosure item. By the time you're in year two of exchanging documents with them, starting to feel more like it's serious. But there are a number of reasons why you might or might not disclose. In this article, it says, hey, there are practical reasons that may cause companies to disclose even when a particular rule or regulation wouldn't require them to. First, a company may feel pressure to disclose due to certain business relationships or obligations. For example, the company's auditors, those folks that are certifying their records that have to be filed for purposes of securities law compliance, may strongly encourage the company to disclose the investigation. They won't feel comfortable if it isn't disclosed. And so your auditors make you and you basically decide to do that or change auditors, which can have its own ramifications. A company may also decide to disclose in order to ensure that the company or insiders who are aware of the investigation may trade their company's stock without concern that the investigation may constitute material non-public information that would prevent those insiders from trading. This is insider trading as a concept, one that I think a lot of folks are familiar with from pop culture, but maybe not on its details. In short, if you are at a company and you have information that the market in general doesn't have that would materially affect the stock price, then you can't sell into that market and you can't do other things as well which is one of the ways that the SEC might be pursuing its investigation on this disclosure concept. If we go and we do an Edgar filing, and Edgar is the electronic database for records of companies that have to file these things with the SEC, we can see an Activision Blizzard entry. And you can look at this for yourself. I'll link this in the description. You can click on what are insider transactions for this particular issue. And insider transactions themselves aren't bad. You can have stock in the company and work there. And then when you sell or when you buy that stock, you disclose it to the SEC. If we look at some of these, we see that Zerza Armin, who is chief financial officer at Activision Blizzard as of May of this year, had some options vest and sold into the market a few thousand shares. Now, the question is, does that person have information that wasn't made available to the market on the whole? Is this the kind of thing that could get you in trouble with respect to insider training? And I didn't look at all of the entries for the statement of changes in beneficial ownership, which talks about whether or not you bought or sold stock at the company in which you work, but you can find a couple of these, right? We've got the chief people officer, Claudine McCartney, uh, disposing of 12,000 some odd shares of stock in August of 2020. And I bring these up because we know that the state of California's investigation started in 2018 or so. We don't know who knew what and when internally at Activision Blizzard. But when you've got these kinds of bits of information where people that do work at the company are selling into the marketplace at certain prices that might or might not be overvalued because they are holding back information, this is the kind of thing that the SEC is going to look at. And no, we here in virtual legality can't opine as to whether or not this is insider trading, whether anything is happening with respect to the disclosures at Activision Blizzard, because we don't have enough information about the details here. In fact, even looking at a sheet like this, one should be cautious because something that looks as obvious as this, hey, I sold into the market, all these codes match up, could be either in error or could be reflecting something else, such as a holdback of vested interests that were designed to cover withholding of taxes. You'll see a couple of entries like that because that's how Activision Blizzard marks those kinds of transactions in their SEC filings. So you want to be very, very cautious there. And I'm saying this because I've seen a lot of people kind of dip into Edgar and try to find things about Xbox acquisitions and other things. And it's a difficult kind of concept with these documents, even though they should be clearer than they are for folks that aren't looking at these things every day to kind of engage with. So do be cautious if you do check out the links here, but know 
that insider trading is one of the things that the SEC could be looking at if they feel that the failure to disclose this investigation had a significant ramification for the way Activision Blizzard actually operates. Now that, even though it might be obvious now, now that we've had firings and people leaving and all sorts of trouble and multiple press releases and a big virtual legality series, that might seem obvious now in hindsight that this was a big deal. But it might not have seemed that way at the time. And we're going to talk about that a little bit further as we read more of this article. Second, a company may decide to disclose a government investigation to address concerns regarding potential negative reactions if the investigation is likely to be disclosed later. If you're sitting in Activision Blizzard headquarters and you think the state of California is going to escalate their investigation into a litigation, as they did, then maybe you try to get in front of it. As this article says, most companies prefer to be the source of information about an investigation rather than having that information reach the public via third parties so that it has the ability to shape the messaging and ensure that the information is fulsome and accurate. Activision Blizzard failed to do that, probably based on their initial response to the California lawsuit, because they didn't think that California was going to initiate that litigation because they didn't think they were in the wrong, at least as presented to the public in the immediate aftermath of that lawsuit. Doesn't mean they're right in that thought process, but they at least presented that way at the time. At the same time, companies should consider the costs of early disclosure. Shareholders may give an investigation greater weight than is merited because they are generally not in a position to distinguish between investigations resulting from indications of actual malfeasance, bad acts, and investigations that are more akin to fishing expeditions. And you might not like that, but Government agencies have been known to occasionally reach a little too far. And one of the things that you might say, if you are totally righteous and you know you didn't do anything badly and you're talking to a government agency, say, we're not going to disclose this because we know nothing is wrong. Now that can put the wool over your eyes as it might have done in the Activision Blizzard case before us right now. But you might look at it and say the shareholders aren't going to realize that this is going to be easily dispatched with if we just disclose it up front. You also have to consider... The investigation itself says, for example, if a company receives a Wells notice, which is a notice of potentially big problems, indicating that it is the target of a government investigation that may result in a large penalty or settlement, the company will usually conclude that it should disclose receipt of that notice. Conversely, if the SEC just issues a subpoena seeking information pertaining to a third party, not even your company, a company will usually conclude that disclosure is not required. Now, the rules and regulations are as vague as you might expect if you've been here for a while. The securities laws require disclosure, one, when an affirmative duty to disclose arises under applicable rules or regulations, if we've actually talked about this and mandated it, or two, when failing to disclose it would render other disclosures misleading, right? If we don't tell you we're being investigated by the state of California, did we mislead you in our paragraph that says, yeah, we're under constant dispute resolution mechanisms from all sorts of agencies, including normal labor processes? Might be. Now, there are certain rules that suggest that Activision Blizzard might be okay. It says item 103, title legal proceedings, sets forth the types of legal proceedings a public company is required to disclose. Item 103 generally requires companies to disclose material pending legal proceedings, which requires review of the relevant facts and circumstances. Item 103 also provides a disclosure threshold for pending proceedings for which the amount involved, exclusive of interests and costs, does not exceed 10% of the company's consolidated current assets. Companies must aggregate similar legal proceedings, both pending and known to be contemplated, in calculating whether legal proceedings exceed this 10% amount. Now, that's only for this rule and only about what's mandated to be disclosed. As we talked about, whether something is misleading because it's not disclosed is kind of a more broad brush 
umbrella kind of concept that Activision Blizzard still has to meet, even if this mandate isn't met. But the mandate probably isn't met. If we go and we look at the current assets of Activision Blizzard for 2020, we scroll down here, we see this number 10,565. Now, this is actually calculated millions, which means in current assets, asset has $10.5 billion or so. And if we make it just $10 billion, then we know that 10% of that is about a billion dollar case. That is what is material, what is mandated to be disclosed under the rules that we just read. And all of this math is back of the envelope. This is 2020. It's not 2021. All these things could be moving around, including the rules. But just in order to understand the concept here, you aren't mandated to disclose something unless it's going to materially affect your business. And for the most part, that's been calculated as affecting 10% or more of your assets. And when you've got a $10 billion company, that's a lot of assets. And nobody is really seriously looking at the California lawsuit or the SEC investigation or what we'll talk about in respect to the EEOC and suggesting that Activision has a billion dollars at stake in these litigations or investigations. So they probably don't cross that materiality threshold on their own. Item 303, titled Management's Discussion and Analysis of Financial Condition and Results of Operations, MD&A, may also require companies to disclose information related to threatened or pending litigation. Although governmental investigations do not often trigger this disclosure, plaintiff's lawyers frequently claim that Item 303 requires a company to disclose an investigation if it reasonably expects the investigation will have a material adverse effect on the company. Now, that's not quantified by percentage, and that might be a little bit better for those of you that want to see more disclosures from these companies. Certainly, one of the problems that Activision Blizzard has now is that so much has happened and so many people have left and it's been in the news forever. And all of these ramifications are significant that right now, in hindsight, it certainly looks like the California investigation and the EEOC investigation, potentially anything else, is probably something that should have been disclosed if only because it clearly is now having a material adverse effect on the operations of the company. So the primary defense you're going to get from something like Activision Blizzard is that we don't think we did these things and we're not obligated to disclose when we don't think we did something just because the state of California wants to proceed with a litigation which we think is fundamentally false. And you don't have to agree with any of that. And in fact, I think Activision Blizzard has a very high hill to climb that is getting higher as these things proceed. But overall, the fact that they didn't say something about the California investigation isn't a, a silver bullet that finishes them on this question. So the SEC is going to have some investigating to do, whether that's in terms of uh, insider trading or whether they're going to frame this as something that should have been disclosed is unclear how the class action will proceed, but it's not a gimme for really either side of the question. Now, what I found a little bit more interesting than the SEC side of things, which again is just talking about whether or not you told folks about what was happening, is the EEOC side. I pulled up a Games Industry Biz article. It says the Wall Street Journal also reports the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has been conducting its own examinations of Activision. The EEOC has reportedly been looking into allegations of gender-based harassment at the publisher since at least May 2020. It's a year and a half ago and is said to be in settlement talks with Activision, which could end up paying millions of dollars, which is a lot of money, certainly a lot of money to you or I. When we start talking about those assets and that balance sheet at Activision, maybe not quite as much. The agency declined to comment to the Wall Street Journal, and it's unclear whether the federal agency will publicly release the details of its findings. That would be a part 
of the settlement talks as to what the EEOC would say about any of this. Now, the reason I think this is a little bit more interesting than the SEC is the EEOC, if you aren't familiar with them, are the ones actually charged with finding discrimination at employers in the United States. Now, their process is a little bit different from the SEC and even from the uh, Department of Labor that we looked at in earlier videos in this series. If we go and we look at how the EEOC operates, they operate on a charge system. It says whenever a charge is filed by or on behalf of a person claiming to be aggrieved or by a member of the commission itself, alleging that an employer has engaged in an unlawful employment practice, the commission serves notice of the charge. If the commission determines after such investigation that there is not reasonable cause to believe that the charge is true, it dismisses the charge. If the commission determines after investigation that there is reasonable cause to believe that the charge is true, the commission shall endeavor to eliminate any such alleged unlawful employment practice by informal methods of conference, conciliation, and persuasion. So the actual statute in the United States, and we've seen this in other contexts as we talked about this whole case, is that if the EEOC is investigating something and they believe there is a problem, that there's a discrimination event and an employee has told them about it or they've done it themselves, then once they think that has happened, they have to, by statute, try to engage in settlement talks. They've got a number of different words for it, conference, conciliation, persuasion here, but they have to engage in, in settlement talks before they start escalating things. And then the rest of this statute, which you can check out, has a lot of talk about how the federal government, which is the EEOC, interacts with the various state governments, etc., etc. But what does this look like from the EEOC's perspective? It says when a charge is filed against an organization, the EEOC will notify that organization within 10 days. A charge does not constitute a finding that your organization engaged in discrimination. The EEOC has authority to investigate whether there is reasonable cause to believe that that discrimination occurred. And in many cases, the organization may choose to resolve a charge through mediation or settlement. At the start of an investigation, EEOC will advise both the organization and the charging party if the charge is eligible for mediation, but feel free to ask the investigator about the settlement option. So when that charge is initially filed, which sounds like it was May of last year, it's a long time ago on this timeline, then the EEOC will tell both parties and say, hey, man, you guys might want to just talk about this because this is a whole thing. It's very expensive. We got a lot of EEOC people trying to do a lot of cases and maybe you should settle it. If that doesn't work, then the EEOC starts investigating, as we just saw in the statute itself. The EEOC investigator evaluates the information submitted, makes a recommendation as to whether there is a reasonable cause to believe that unlawful discrimination has taken place. So the charge is filed and they try to get people to sit at the settlement table. If that doesn't work, then an investigator goes and looks at a charge and they say the average time it takes to investigate and resolve a charge, whether or not it has a discrimination component or not, is about 10 months as of 2015. And if you go and you look at government websites or documents, all of the data is a little bit older. It's a few years out of date because that's just the way these things are aggregated. Uh, so 2015 is actually pretty recent for something like this. So it takes a little under a year for something to be investigated. We know it was looked at in May of 2020. It seems, and we're assuming here, it's all speculation, but it seems that it's likely that the EEOC found that there was reasonable cause to believe that discrimination took place at Activision Blizzard. And that's interesting because as far as the state of California is concerned, they believe what they believe, and that's why they filed a lawsuit. The EEOC is now a completely different body, a different agency at a federal level, which appears to believe the same thing. You're starting to have folks, agencies at least, pile up against Activision Blizzard in a way that, at least from the outside, starts to look pretty damning. So after that 10 months has passed, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it might be, and we're sitting here in 2021, by the time the Wall Street Journal says the EEOC is in settlement talks, what is happening there? It 
feels like it might be conciliation, that word that we saw in the statute itself. It says, at the end of an investigation, the EEOC makes a determination on the merits of the charge. And this is an EEOC technical guidance document actually issued by the commission itself. It says, we go through all these conciliation things. In fiscal year 2014, the EEOC successfully conciliated 1,000 cases. And if conciliation fails, the EEOC must decide whether to sue the employer. So it's normal kind of settlement talks. EEOC got this charge, thinks that there's a fining against Activision Blizzard or whomever it is that they are investigating. And if those settlement talks fail, they have to decide what to do with them. But pay attention to these numbers. If conciliation fails, the EEOC decides whether to sue the employer in court. In fiscal year 2014, conciliation failed in 1,700 charges. It's actually 1,714. When deciding whether to file a lawsuit, the EEOC then considers several factors, including the seriousness of the violation, the type of legal issues in the case, the wider impact the lawsuit could have on the agency's efforts to combat workplace discrimination, and the resources available to litigate the case efficiently or effectively. Filing lawsuits is a last resort, and the EEOC, this is their own document, files suit in less than 8% of the cases where it believes discrimination occurred and conciliation was unsuccessful. So understand this, this is pretty important. The EEOC gets a charge. They look at that charge. They try to get folks to talk. They don't talk. They investigate it. They find that there probably was discrimination, at least according to their own rubrics. They try to get another talk done directly between the commission and the employer. The employer says, nah, walks out. 92% of the time, that's the end of it. The EEOC doesn't follow up. Now, I don't know that that would happen in an Activision Blizzard kind of scenario. Activision Blizzard has enough press right now, not just in gaming outlets, but in the mainstream media like the Wall Street Journal, where I think if you're the EEOC, you take that factor of the wider impact a lawsuit could have on the agency's efforts to combat workplace discrimination. And if you truly believe that Activision Blizzard is engaged in that discrimination, it's the kind of thing where I think the EEOC might just bring suit. So the EEOC is maybe a little bit more important than the SEC side of these discussions that were being had yesterday and today. But we can't take any of that for granted because this 8% is out there. In fiscal year 2014, the agency only filed 133 lawsuits against employers, accusing them of unlawful employment discrimination, including 105 on behalf of particular individuals and 28 on behalf of groups or classes employees, which is what we would expect here. The state of California essentially filed their suit on behalf of all women working at Activision Blizzard. We would expect the EEOC to take a similar tack, but there are no guarantees. In case you're wondering what the penalty might be for that, we can extrapolate it a little bit from a few years ago. In that same time period, EEOC's legal staff resolved 136 of the lawsuits filed that year in previous years for a total monetary recovery of $22.5 million. So you got Activision Blizzard, you've got $10 billion in assets, you got more in market capitalization, and the EEOC resolved 130 lawsuits for an aggregate return of $22 million. And the SEC is going to have some similar kind of concepts, maybe for a little bit higher amounts of money. But when we look at this, and I talked to a few people online about this on social media and elsewhere yesterday, it's important to know, while I think the EEOC is probably more important, while I think the SEC is probably unlikely to have something that's truly significant to Activision Blizzard, neither of these bodies is probably as important as the state of California's direct lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, not only because Activision Blizzard operates in California, but because California is much more targeted on the behavior itself and much more likely to be able to get actual 
physical change at the companies operating within its jurisdiction. So this is important stuff. It's not a good day for Activision Blizzard, as we will see as we finish up this video. But if you're wondering what is most likely to continue to harm Activision Blizzard, it's that state of California lawsuit. It's the stuff that's happening in their backyard, in their home base. Then it is these federal investigations, which may or may not result in anything. Because as we've seen by statute, for the most part, they are ordered to try to settle these things. And even if they don't settle them, they don't necessarily have the resources to pursue significant legal action, certainly not for very high penalties. Now, as we finish up this video, it's worth noting Activision Blizzard had more interesting news that's been reported on. We see Claire Hart here through her LinkedIn saying, as chief legal officer at Blizzard, that she is leaving Blizzard after three years, apparently, of work there. Friday was her last day. That's somewhat of a big deal insofar as Blizzard's got some legal issues as we've been talking about. And then in response to all of that that we've talked about in this video, we've got Activision trying again to massage their message to the public. In a press release just a few hours ago, Activision Blizzard said today that it continues to work with regulators on addressing and resolving workplace complaints it has received. Bobby Kotick said... We are deeply committed to making Activision Blizzard one of the best, most inclusive places to work anywhere. There is absolutely no place anywhere in our company for discrimination, harassment, or unequal treatment of any kind. And while we continue to work in good faith with regulators to address and resolve past workplace issues, we also continue to move ahead with our own initiatives to ensure that we are the very best place to work. We remain committed to addressing all workplace issues in a forthright and prompt manner, which is a whole heck of a lot of words to say, yeah, we're trying to solve things with the government agencies and we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Kotick also said the company continues to productively engage with regulators, including the U.S. Equal Opportunity Commission, EEOC, the National Labor Relations Board, which we talked about with respect to their potential complaint, and the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the leaders behind the lawsuit in California, with the goal of improving its workplace policies and procedures and ensuring compliance. The company is actively engaged in continued discussions with the EEOC and has cooperated with the EEOC's investigation concerning employment practices. It also confirmed that it is complying with a recent U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission subpoena issued to the company and several current and former employees and executives regarding disclosures on employment matters and related issues. And then they want to say, hey, we've done a lot of stuff here. We've made a number of important improvements, including significant changes to personnel. People have been fired. People have been moved around, exiting a number of employees and expanding compliance resources. And then they really want credit for Ms. Hodges, which we talked about in an earlier video. In addition, the company has refreshed its HR organization. And this week, we'll welcome a new chief people officer, Julie Hodges, who joins the company from the Walt Disney Company. The company has also expanded training, performance management, and anti-harassment resources. Why does a press release come out like this? Why does it say so little other than, yep, we're working with all these government agencies. We're trying to navigate these rocky shoals. Well, because of the same reason we've talked about earlier in the series, Activision, Blizzard, not having a great day in the stock market and the way people feel about it. We see here $74 price down 4% in the past five days. We extend it out a little bit. You see overall down 10% in only the last month, down 18% in the last six months. They've had a tough year. Now, a lot of you have come in that are a little bit more financially inclined, said, hey, you got to put that in scope, Rick. I think that's fair. Over the five-year period, we still see Activision Blizzard in a fairly heightened state here. Certainly 2020 was good to publishers of video games all around, even while it wasn't maybe so good for the rest of us. But... 
Activision is dealing with stuff right now. And it will be very interesting to see exactly what further changes happen at the company, how these things ultimately get settled. Somebody asked me if they've responded to the California lawsuit. Not that I have heard. If you wind up seeing a response uh, from Activision Blizzard in form of legal documentation, please let me know. Of course, we'll cover that here in virtual legality. But it remains interesting even as the market, I think, responds a little bit more strongly to the federal government reveals from yesterday than it probably needs to. Activision Blizzard's in a lot of trouble for a lot of reasons, but it's probably not driven by the SEC and EEOC. If you enjoy talking about the business and law of video games, technology, pop culture, software, and more, please consider supporting Virtual Reality and the channel. We've got a Patreon. We've got other ways to support that we have listed below or just subscribing and telling your friends that we are having these conversations. Every single little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.